if you are in an abusive relationship or if you're just really unhappy and you don't have loving people in your life supporting you, that mean girl voice starts to take on a life of her own and she represents all the negative people in your life. A bad boss, bad mother or father, bad spouse. This is where when you're writing down these things and you're finding something that you don't like about yourself, talk back at the mean girl voice. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. I'm your host, Stacy Curtis. I've made it my mission to help people with tough life situations tell their stories. Why? Because life story writing helped me get through a very difficult time. The Right of Your Life podcast is committed to sharing compelling stories of ordinary people. Our goal is to help you, our listeners, know how to transform your own life by telling your life stories. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to tell your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. This is part two of our show with guest Lindsay Ellison, the founder of Start Over, Find Happiness a coaching practice that helps women navigate through their divorce and breakups. She specializes in helping women escape from their narcissistic partners through counseling and her course called Break Free from Your Narcissist. If you haven't listened yet to part one, I encourage you to go back and listen. Lindsay shares some great insight there. Now, just as a reminder, let's take a look at what a narcissist is. They are related to sociopaths, and both of these disorders produce manipulating and abusive behavior. Abuse comes in many forms and affects many people in the victim's life. Emotional, physical, and sexual abuses are common and equally degrading and harmful. One is not better than the other or worse than the other. They are all abuse. How do you spot a narcissist or sociopath? One of the first signs is that they get people to feel sorry for them. They tell a tale of great woe, one that in hindsight is unbelievable, but nevertheless, their initially charming personalities draw people in. You find yourself giving more than you normally would. Their goal is to manipulate you to be dependent on them, and they will do whatever it takes to suck you into their world. Once they've won you over, the mask comes off and they denigrate their victims, devalue and demean them. It's incredibly difficult to get away from a narcissist or a sociopath. Believe it or not, you have likely encountered one either in your family, your neighborhood, or your workplace. I hope you're still buckled in because the second part of this interview may surprise you. And now, here's part two. What do you recommend if someone is going through a divorce, or a really difficult time, do you recommend that people journal about it, people write down their feelings, write stories? What would you recommend to somebody who's going through something like that? I think I love this question because I'm a huge proponent of journaling. And I actually help and coach people. I I really encourage journaling. And journaling is you know, we all think of journaling as if it's some kind of nice notebook and we're curled up on a couch writing and it doesn't have to be that way. 
I have one client that writes an email to herself every day. You can do that. That it's, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes will write my notes in my on my iPhone <laughs> in my little right. notes section. I like to call it constructive journaling. So yes, it's very important to pour your feelings out. However, I want it to be constructive, not destructive. And here's an example. Destructive would be in a journal entry, you are so stupid. You're such a horrible mother. I can't believe you did that. And then tell this awful story. Or if my Mother's Day story it would have been like, oh, you're so, your kids don't love you. That's not constructive, is it? When you're journaling and if you're going through grief, if you're going through any kind of hard time, I want it to always be a loving situation for yourself. If you're going to journal, be kind to yourself. Journal as if sometimes you can talk to yourself. And I always say, no matter you know, if, if you're a faith-based person, have, have it be God writing to you. Right. Or if you're not a faith-based person, what would your best friend be writing to you? Write to yourself sometimes. You will see a completely different angle on the problem than you being in the problem. I love that. One of the benefits that I got writing through my difficult time was to be more in touch with what I was feeling. Because I think the tendency is to hunker down and just bulldoze through life because you've just got to get through it for your kids. Once I get past this, everything's going to be fine. And you, you have a tendency, I think, not to pay attention to your own feelings. Yeah. But when I started writing, that brought those out. I was like, wow, I am feeling that. And you start to feel again. And then you can start to really live again. And you can find joy even as you're going through something like that. Great transformation that writing can help with. Absolutely. I think many of us live outside our bodies. Yes. And I mean by, I got to do this. I got to do this. This is my to-do list. Tomorrow I have to do this. If you have kids, if you're a busy mom, whatever, you're always dealing with a schedule. You're living outside of yourself. The nice thing about writing about your feelings, you're, it's the one moment where you're looking inward and you're dealing with what's going on in your heart. And there is a lot of healing benefits from that. It's a lot like meditating. I always say writing is a lot like meditating. Meditating is allowing, is calming your brain and you're looking into your heart center. And in yoga, they call it your third eye, looking inward into your head. Writing can do the same thing for you. Right. What other tips do you have for someone in a relationship with a narcissist on how they can get through this difficult time? Mm -hmm. Oh, I have so many tips. And it's actually a course, isn't it? I'd say in terms of when you're with a narcissist, there's a reason why you're with a narcissist. And a lot of it has to do from what went on in your childhood. And what your childhood told you, you were probably living with a narcissist or a codependent, could have been a mother or father. And over time, as a child, you were basically rewarded for not standing up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And should you speak up or have needs, you were probably told, well, you can't be so selfish because I, you know, the, the mother or father might say, Stop being so selfish. I've been working all day. I can't take you to ballet today. You know? Right. And these little small moments is a form of rejection. And we're told that, oh, I just voiced up my concern or my needs and then I was just rejected. 
you tend to maintain those patterns all the way through adult relationships because you haven't really worked on that yet. Right. And I always say when you're dealing with a narcissist is you have to have boundaries. Narcissists don't like to have boundaries. You as a child weren't taught to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. And one of the things that I teach people, I have it in my free videos as well, is you must say the words, that's not okay. And I love saying that because it doesn't mean you have to say it to them, but you have to start saying it to yourself. So if someone in your life, your spouse is saying X, Y, and Z to you, you don't like it. And instead of kind of just crumbling and walking off wounded, I want you to say, you know what, that's not okay with me. You can't speak to me that way. I won't tolerate this behavior. I require change. Right. Same with children. I actually came up with that phrase because that's a phrase I would always say to my kids when they were really little. Uh uh uh, that's not okay. And it's just an instant thing. Like they just knew that whatever they were doing, they had to stop doing. Right. That's a boundary. You need to teach that to yourself in order for you to be able to get out. And boundaries are incredibly difficult. The other tip I have is what I call when narcissists engage in a relationship with you um, or when narcissists are engaging in day-to-day stuff. And I always like to say, I use this example of just taking out the trash, right? It's just a simple thing. We all have to take out the trash every day. Mm -hmm. When he comes home from work and you're sitting there, you've come home from work, you're doing the dishes, you've been doing work, and the trash has not been taken out for garbage night. Then an argument could ensue saying, how come I have to always take out the trash? And it becomes this victim, martyr, I'm fine, I'm going to take out the trash. And just a small life day-to-day chore turns into World War III. Right. That's what happens when you're with a narcissist. Just the smallest things, just logistics, just are you going to take Sally to baseball or am I going to take him? And then it turns into World War III. You can't get through life without it. When you get sucked in and pulled into these little arguments, I call that the narcissistic vortex. That is when you get sucked in where you are starting to defend yourself, change your mind, or try to get him to see the light. And when they don't see it, that's where the argument, because you just really are trying to, you, you actually just can't believe someone can't comprehend something so simple. You think it's your job to change his mind. Well, what I do is teach people that these narcissists will never, ever change their mind. I mean, they think they're never wrong. They are incapable of having a conversation. Exactly. So when you're sucked into the vortex, you do not engage. And that's just kind of a big rule. Do not engage, walk away. And the vortex can happen over text messaging. I see that a lot of, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this. And so one simple request could turn into this texting battle of lots of, horrible hatred things being passed to each other and now you're in world war three again and stop just don't engage shut it down don't respond yes or no answers if you have to that is it and i say it and it's really really difficult to do especially with this person for a long time it is once you start doing that though and see the effectiveness it will change your life that's what happened to me even a compliment 
to that person can turn into, like you said, World War III. Isn't that amazing? It is. It's incredible. Yep. What would you say to somebody who would say, I'm not necessarily to themselves or out to anybody, but it's just internally they have that. I am scared to look inward. I'm scared to change the status quo. I'm scared to write about this because... I might find something I, I, I don't like about myself. Well, then I would ask that person, what is it that makes you so scared of finding out about what you don't like? If you don't like something about yourself, you actually have the power to change it. Mm-hmm. That's the amazing thing. You have the power to change. A lot of the times people get stuck, and that's where I come in, and that's where any good coach could come in and help you unstuck yourself, (laughs) if that's a word, where you feel as though I want to change, but I don't know how. Again, it's being kind to yourself. It's allowing yourself to be a flawed person. It's okay. Stop beating yourself up. One of the things I have also talked a lot about is the mean girl voice. Some Mm -hmm. people call it the inner critic. We all have different words, but I call it the mean girl voice because she really is that mean person talking to you. And if you are in an abusive relationship or if you're just really unhappy and you don't have loving people in your life supporting you, that mean girl voice starts to take on a life of her own and she represents all the negative people in your life, a bad boss, you know, bad mother or father, bad spouse. This is where when you're writing down these things and you're finding something that you don't like about yourself, talk back at the mean girl voice. Say to her, you know, let's, let's use an example. I'm so disorganized. I don't know why I'm so disorganized. I can't get my life together. Life is so chaotic and I can't seem to slow down. Wonderful roadblock. That's an issue. And typical. And typical. We all have that. Well, I would say right back to her and say, Sally, let's say your name's Sally. Sally, yes. Okay. So you've had a bad day. You are disorganized today, but what's making you disorganized, Sally? What's getting in the way of you trying to get it done? And then as the writer, you can answer your own questions. You could say, oh, I guess I'm, I'm afraid. And that's another way to get those feelings out, to discover more about yourself if you Think through that and write it out. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you just kind of brought out a little bit is that people think sometimes that they have to be perfect in order to say no to another person. You have to have no flaws in order to put up your boundaries. Mm -hmm. But you don't. There's nobody that's perfect, right? Nobody. There's nobody that's perfect. You can work on yourself, but you don't have to be perfect in order to say, stop, that's not right to the other person person. Absolutely. And again, if you don't like something, we all have red flags, right? We all have, it's the opposite of our mean girl voice. It's the person inside of us that's protecting us, which is our soul, our spirit. It's the person that makes us a human being. Mm -hmm. And when you feel as though something's not right, Oftentimes, your body is reacting in a certain way. You might get a tightness in your chest. You might feel it in your back. Write down in your journal, when red flags go off, what kind of body signs is your body telling you? What's going on there? Do you feel flushed? Do your fists clench? Do you start to have anxiety or even get panic attacks? Those are all protective measures that your body is saying, this does not feel right to me. 
and listen to her. Listen to this wonderful being in you. Bring her out. Put her on paper. What is she saying to you? And let her speak. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be mean to this person because that is your, to me, your divine spirit. You know, I always say when, when a baby is born, have you ever noticed we can't stop staring at a baby? Even if the baby is sleeping, you just can't stop staring. And it doesn't even have to be your kid. (laughs) (laughs) To me, babies are the purest form of self. It's before they're flawed. It's before they're told that they can't do things. Right. So true. That baby is in us. And we tend to have that baby disappear the older we get. And when you can bring her out that baby's still there. To me, that's your soul. I remember when my son was born, my second son, my first son, I don't remember because it was awful. (laughs) But when my (laughs) second son was born, I actually remember him being put on my, my stomach. When I had this child, I realized, oh my God, we really do have a soul. Right. We really do. We have it. And we need to keep that soul thriving, we need to feed our soul. Nurture it. We have to nurture our soul. And if we are not nurturing our soul, that's where we, we lose ourselves. And right. that's really where we, we become unhappy. People nurture their souls through so many different ways, right? I mean, through hobbies and you might climb out Everest. That's, that's your thing. For me, nurturing my soul was writing. Right. And I think a lot of people can do that. And Lindsay, you and I both are products of writing through and about difficult times. And there's happiness, there's joy on the other side of what you're going through, what I went through, what you went through. And it's an incredible feeling to be able to find peace in whatever is going on in your life right now because you've written about it. Absolutely. And when I write... To this day, you know, a lot of people ask me uh, when I'm writing about bad things. So my life is great now. You know, I'm happily remarried. Uh, I have a great career. I I, I could have left my past where it was. And so people always ask me, why do you continue to write about this? Does it, doesn't it bother you? Does it keep that wound from closing? And I always say no. It does not. I think as I get older and I get better at what I'm doing and I finesse my craft, I find more ways of delivering the good message to others. Right. And when you're writing in your painful state, and I have journals that like three notebooks long <laughs> of, of the bad stuff, I love to go back and read that sometimes. And I really feel so sad for that person that I used to be. But I would not be who I am today if I hadn't done all that. That's right. So you've got to get started. If you're not writing through these times or writing about these times, I would encourage everybody just to start. Just start anywhere. Start now. Start today. And Because at some point, you're going to be able to look back and see, hey, I'm free from that. I am, I've come a long way. And Lindsay, you have something to give away to our audience, a mini ebook, right? I do. I have taken all of my really good viral blogs that have gone around, blogs that have been so incredibly helpful to my audience. I used to come up with, you know, I'd, I'd meet somebody new and then I'd be looking and digging around. I knew I wrote that thing long time ago. <laughs> where, where, where was that? I just decided to compile it and uh, create a little mini ebook. It's specific to obviously narcissist relationships, but I feel as though we all know a narcissist. We know someone who has a narcissist. 
everything that I write could even apply to a narcissistic boss or parent. So it is something that these articles will really, really help you kind of see some, you might have some aha moments when you read it. So I'm really happy to, to share that with your listeners. Fabulous. Thank you for that. And we'll make sure and put that in the show notes. And let me ask you one more last question. Where and when do you write? Tell me about your writing habit. Oh, good question. I have to write in the morning. I write at my computer. <laughs> um, I, I write a weekly blog, so I write every Wednesday. And then every now and then, um, especially if I'm promoting a webinar or a course, I will push it out to my blogs, to Huffington Post or to Divorce Moms. Or, and and that work has been syndicated. So that's the other awesome thing is when you do write, your work can be syndicated, not even to your knowledge. A lot of things I'm like, oh, I just saw myself on Yahoo. That's pretty cool. Right. But when, when I write, first of all, it's my most favorite thing I do still. Mm-hmm. Of all I do, so I coach, I have to do a lot of marketing, I have to get my business underway. But when I write my blog, I it just I feel so connected with my reader. I love to write. But I have to write in the morning. It's the first thing I have to do. So I write, I publish every Wednesday. So I generally write on a Monday and uh, write in the Monday mornings. And I, and I really put it on my calendar, make sure from 8 to 9.30 I'm writing. And right. Anytime after that, I get very sidetracked. I'll be checking Facebook or I'll do other things. And it's important that when you're writing, especially if you're writing for an audience, shut everything down, you know, turn off your phone, close all your applications on your computer. It's so easy to, to get sidetracked because when you aren't sidetracked and you're really focused on your work, then that's where the content really starts to get really good. You have given us a ton of information to think about. Your website is lindsayellison.com. We thank you for your tips and the giveaway that you've given our listeners. And thank you for being that founder of Start Over, Find Happiness. We appreciate all that you've done. Thank you so much. And I just love the work you're doing as well and inspiring others to write. I think the work is so important. I'm just so happy to be on this show. I really appreciate you having me. Wow, I'm sure you enjoyed these two episodes with Lindsay as much as I did. Find out more about this topic on our show notes page. Time now to peek into the Life Story Toolkit, where we share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by lifestorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features Evernote. Evernote is very popular, and if you haven't heard of it before, it's really a productivity tool. It can be used by writers, bloggers, entrepreneurs, professionals, or anyone at all who wants to be more organized. From short lists to lengthy research, no matter what form your writing takes, Evernote keeps you focused on moving those ideas from inspiration to completion. Easily gather everything that matters. Clip web articles, capture handwritten notes, and snap photos to keep the physical and digital details of your writing projects with you at all times. Evernote Basic is free, and it gives you the tools to keep your work effortlessly organized. Write and collect ideas in notes, group those notes into notebooks, clip files from the internet, 
and easily find everything across all platforms. You can even share and collaborate on writing projects in real time. You can upgrade to Evernote Plus or Evernote Premium, and it's about 25 to 50 bucks a year. I love it that you can access notes offline and save emails to Evernote, which is my favorite feature. You can also search inside of documents, PDFs, and attachments, turn your notes into presentations, scan and digitize business cards, and so much more. It's really a great way to organize your writing. You can tag by topic, by date written, by project, and many more ways. Imagine capturing your family's history, pulling in old photographs, audio interviews, diary entries, and your own notes. It's like a digital trapper keeper. The other feature I love about Evernote is that tons of additional products and apps have been developed to work with it. From Skitch, which helps you make notes right on digital photos, to list or blog creators, to notebooks that recognize your handwriting, turning your drawings and notes digital and sending them to Evernote. You can find out more at Evernote.com and I think you'll like adding Evernote to your Life Story Toolkit. That's all we have for today. I'd like to thank Lindsay Ellison for sharing her answers with us in our power-packed double episodes. Show notes, a free download, and all the links mentioned today are at rightofyourlife.com slash Ellison2. And remember, she's got that mini ebook that she's giving away to women interested in breaking free. You can get that information at the show notes. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who has an interesting story to tell or who enjoys listening to interesting stories. We'd love your comments, so head over to writeofyourlife.com and tell us what you think. To be notified of future episodes, just subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your app of choice. Of course, we're also on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a social media conversation. My handle is Right of Your Life. This story is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life.